Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Manuscript Academy podcast. I'm Julie Kingsley. I'm here with Jessica. And it's my great pleasure today to introduce one of my favorite humans, one of my favorite writers, Janet Costa Bates. I'm so happy to be here today. It's so nice to meet you. Julie, what were you saying that she was listening to us on the way up? I was saying full disclosure, I'm lucky enough to be in Janet's writing group. So Mm. I've got to watch her career blossom in many different ways. She's a lot of good news coming up in the near future. But we were just saying the last time I saw Janet, I was doing like a power walk around the neighborhood at this writing retreat we go to and Janet pulled up listening to the Manuscript Academy podcast in her car (laughs) and she rolled down the window and I was talking to her and my voice was coming out of the radio and I was like please stop (laughs) it's weird to think of us in people's cars though I know we are (laughs) I love listening to the podcast in the car and sometimes if I'm having a rough day I just listen to your voices we hope that if you're out there having a rough day we are making your day better Thank you. You know, listening to my own voice doesn't make my day better. (laughs) Makes my better. That's all I care about. Janet, thank you for joining us. I'm so excited to dive into all the things you have going on right now. Can you tell us first about your writing journey? Uh, Long. (laughs) Long. (laughs) Long would be the short answer there. It's been a very long journey. I've always written ever since I was little, but I didn't know what I wanted to do with my writing until I had my sons. And then Mm -hmm. I started reading to them as infants, read lots of picture books. And that's when I went, this is what I want to do with my writing. And of course, since I had two very busy boys, I had no time to write. So it's taken a long time to get to this point. My first picture book came out 2010. So 11 years. Lovely. Dreams is lovely. (laughs) And shout out to Lee and Lowe because it's still out there. It's now in paperback. So thank you, Lee and Lowe. But yeah, it's taken a long time even just to get another one out. But now that they're grown, (laughs) I have time. I don't know if you can tell us all of your good news. We know you have a picture book coming out. I just heard an hour ago. It should be here. Pandemic shipping delays have kind of wreaked their havoc. But I heard it's finally in the country. I offered to get my son's truck, (laughs) go up (laughs) and pick them up. Because I'm so excited to get these books, but they have arranged rail transportation. Wait, so they're on a train right now? I think so. Oh. Or they're getting ready to get on the train. I actually I think that's know. a new picture book idea, the picture books on the train. To the <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'd rather picture books on a train than snakes on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> You've had some good news about your new picture book, Time for Bed, Old House. Yes, I'm gobsmacked, flabbergasted. I don't know what other words to use. I am happy. It's gotten four stars. The last one just in was from Publishers Weekly. 
So oh. after the first star, I thought, okay, this is a little bit of a fluke. And after the second star, I still thought, this is a fluke. Third star, I still thought this was a fluke. It wasn't until the last one where I finally went, maybe it's good. (laughs) (laughs) Imposter syndrome is real. It's very, very real. And Amazon named it the book of September. One of, there's a list of best books for ages three to five. It's one of, but I'm in great company, so I'm happy. (laughs) I'm happy. That's amazing. I heard yesterday, though, and I know so many writers have imposter syndrome. I heard yesterday that if you are an imposter, you don't have imposter syndrome. So if you've got imposter syndrome, you are not an imposter. That's good Um, to know. (laughs) Yeah, good to know for me, too. (laughs) Good for everyone to know, right? It's like it's like like writer therapy here on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get a lovely couch for next time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So this new book coming out, Time for Bed Old House, written by you, Janet Costa Bates and the illustrator AJ Ford. So Mm -hmm. tell us about your creative process with this amazing illustrator. You need to run all of you and just this book is just beautiful. You want to just sit with it and take the colors and spend time with the small details. It's just lovely. Tell us about that relationship. And also if I could jump in and add just how high the stakes were for this illustrator, because you set up the dynamic that kids can read stories by the pictures. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing this meta thing now where we're looking at the images and wondering, can you read a story by the pictures? And you can. So that's a big assignment for your illustrator. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And, and he rose to the task wonderfully. You never know what you're going to get with the illustrations since you don't get to talk to the illustrator, which sometimes drives me a little bit crazy. I wish I were both author and illustrator, but I didn't know you could walk away with two talents. But the good part about having fresh eyes look at it is that they might see things that you didn't see because you're the author of it. You wrote it, so you might not see what they can see. This talent is incredible. The things that he did, he really made the house a character. And I love that. It's just warm. It's cozy. It's inviting. The house almost feels your grandmother's inviting you in or something. The house is just that warm. And there were also some surprises, things that if I were the illustrator, I don't know that I would have been talented enough to think of. Looking at the expressions on the stuffed animal on Bear's face or on the dog's face, I don't know that I would have thought to put expressions. And he doesn't make them anthropomorphic. The stuffed bear is still a stuffed bear, but just the slightest change in the line of the mouth or the way the eyes are pointed brings life to it. And I absolutely love that. One of my favorite parts is Isaac, the little boy slippers. <laughs> they slay me. They're little monster slippers. When I found out that he said yes, I sent him a message and said, I'm excited to see what you come up with. And now I'm going to walk away. So mm-hmm. I told him, I said, I'm going to let you do your magic. And I was not in touch with him at all through the process. So I wouldn't be that obstacle in between him and his art. But after I saw the art, I had to send him a picture. On the cover of Time for Bed Old House is a blue wingback chair. And I didn't even realize it when I first saw the cover. I was at my parents' house and I looked and I saw the blue wingback chair. It was one that my father used to sit in 
all the time. And then when my mother wasn't physically able to sit in her rocking chair anymore, we moved that chair to her favorite spot. And that's where she sat. And Julie knows she has since passed, but she spent a lot of time in that chair. And then as my father got slower, we moved it back into the room where he needed to stop halfway. He was walking through the house to sit. And there it was on the cover of Time for Bed Old House. And oh, wait, so you did not tell the illustrator about the blue chair. Nothing. And when I read this book, I was thinking of this, the layers of the passage of time. And it's this house looks like kind of like a 30s house, 40s house, mm-hmm. New, very New England, but it could be anywhere. It could be the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. It could be, but it's the type of house that you drive by and you're like, I want to go in there and have like grilled cheese sandwich. And <laughs> <laughs> no, so that's just that would so, be the perfect meal to have there. Right? It would be. <laughs> yeah. That's incredibly interesting. And so there's like that extra layer for you. We were looking at Isaac, what was your inspiration for Isaac? You're talking about channeling all the creative energy and you mentioned grilled cheese and tomato. The first time I went out to lunch with my editor, Andrea Tampa, she brought me to her favorite little place in Somerville, Mass in Davis Square, and she ordered her favorite lunch, which was grilled cheese and tomatoes. (laughs) There's that creative energy, you guys. We're channeling. We're channeling. Wow. Um, but for Isaac, when my firstborn was a baby, I would walk around the house holding him because I was always holding him and close the, the blinds, close the doors, turn out the lights as I got ready to put him to bed. And that's where the story started. And I wrote a few versions of it, sent it out, turned down all over the place. And I'm grateful because it wasn't the story that it is now I put it in a drawer literally for over a decade and then I took it back out but I wrote it originally in first person mm-hmm. and I couldn't get a good sense of of the, the child I didn't even know if it was male or female I just couldn't get a good sense of the child so I needed to take a different look at the character so I took it from first person to third person and at that point I became Isaac that's how we got his name But in the beginning, I really didn't have a good sense of him. And writing it from third person, let me look at him in a different way and bring a little bit more life to him. Can we talk about the setting as a character? Because people talk about setting as a character in all different genres. In this case, you have given life to the house in a way that is beautiful and warm and unusual. I have to be honest. I feel like it's A.G., that gave life to the house. I tried to make the house feel like a warm, inviting place, but he's the one that really gave it visual life with his artwork. And I'm just happy the way that it all turned out. But Isaac says that I've never heard of putting a house to bed before. There are a lot of little clues that the house is almost a character to be taken care of, which I thought was really beautiful and lovely. So I would argue that it came from the text first. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, take the compliment, Janet. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so Janet, you sold books with an agent. You sold books without an agent. And I know you're currently agent to bone or faculty member, Saba. So can you tell us the pros and cons of both? My agenting journey has been long, slow, just like my writing career, actually. <laughs> my first picture book 
without an agent to Liam Lowe's New Voices Award. And then shortly after it came out, I got an agent. My first agent and I weren't a good match. And I won't say that she wasn't a good agent. She's no longer agenting, but she was probably an excellent agent for other people. She really worked hard to sell my middle grade, but our communication styles were completely off. And I guess when in the beginning, I didn't know what to look for, or I didn't know what I needed to look for. So we didn't sell anything we parted ways. I quit writing for a little while. My friends laughed at oh, me and gosh. said, no, they said, no, you didn't quit. I'm like, yes, I quit. I quit. <laughs> and, and that lasted for about two months. But then when I found that I was agent free, I started playing around with things and I could take a fresh look at things. I took things out of the drawer and worked with it a bit. And that's when I started working on Time for Bed Old House and decided I'm not writing this for the agent to see. I'm just having fun with it. And when I put the fun back into it, that's when it became a much better story. And in one of my critique groups, I was reading it and somebody there asked me to repeat a part. And I did. She said, that's beautiful. Those two words gave me the courage to send it to Andrea, um, Andrea Tompa, my editor, because before I sent anything out, by this time I knew, okay, you have to make it really good. <laughs> Not like what I did early in my career, but by this time I would really work on things to make them really good. But I had my level for most people and then a little higher than that was my Andrea level. I was able to send things to Andrea because of a conference we were at together, but I would hardly ever send her anything because I'm like, this doesn't meet my Andrea standard. So to be clear, that's via Candlewood Press. Yes. So when my critique partner said, that's beautiful, that gave me the courage to send it into Andrea. And so that one was sold. And I sent a few other things to her about a year later. And at that point, she bought the chapter book, which is coming out in September 2022, entitled Llamas, Iguanas, and My Very Best Friend. So I was really excited to have two things coming out with her. And at that point, I said, I need an agent. I'm getting in over my head. (laughs) I don't know exactly what I'm doing. And I really do need an agent. And this time I knew what I was looking for. I had a much better sense of what a good match would be. And it was COVID. I couldn't really go a lot of places. I couldn't meet any agents in person anywhere. So I did a lot of online things, listening to agents, conferences, and the Manuscript Academy podcast. And one of the agents that really enjoyed listening to was Saba Suleiman. She is smart, nice, (laughs) great insight, and just felt like someone I could talk to. And we love her too. Mm -hmm. with good reason (laughs) yes everything you just said completely seconded she's amazing Mm -hmm. do you have any tips for authors on figuring out what they need in an agent I know it's a big question that's a little bit of a, a hard question because it's going to be different for everybody what I thought I was looking for when I first found an agent was just an agent (laughs) just having an agent would make me happy and it did but then I realized it's not just looking for what everybody says, oh, this is what would be good in an agent. It's not looking for an agent who is a top seller. It's not looking for any of that. It's looking for an agent that you can communicate with, that where your vision is aligned for your career. That's what it's all about. So you really 
have to tune into yourself, I think, before making any decisions about an agent. What is your communication style? How do you work best with others? What do you want from your career? What do you want from your agent? There are lots of sites out there where you can do some reading on tips on getting an agent and then meet as many agents as you possibly can. In person is fantastic, but until we get back to that point. And I think even after we do, meeting people virtually is also really helpful. But it's communication that I think is key. You want an agent who just happens to give you a blue wing back chair. <laughs> yes. 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 Exactly. <laughs> so that's so interesting. So can you talk to us about how you approach a middle grade series differently than you do? If I'm doing a picture book, I can be my true pantsing self, which is nice. I can start writing something without having the slightest idea of where it's going. You can't really do that, or at least I found out it's not a good idea to do that if you're doing middle grade. I found that out the hard way. I have written two middle grade novels as a pantser. One of them was the one that my first agent was trying to sell, and the feedback was consistent. They said, great voice, great characters. You've got no plot. <laughs> Your plot's terrible. I think one person might have even said that, and I didn't even take offense because by that time I realized, you're right, <laughs> the plot is really bad. So I realized that I needed to take a step back and see the whole picture before I got too far into the novel and I haven't written another middle grade novel, but I have written the chapter books, which are, I guess, early novels, I guess. So the same process, we need an idea of where it's going, but I've actually found something in the middle of pantsing and plotting and I call it quilting. I allow oh. myself to quilt. I write scenes as they come to me and I write them without worrying about are these going to be part of the story. I don't worry about the order of them. I don't worry about any of that. I just write the scenes as I see them and then start putting together some sort of very loose outline. I find that if I try to plot too carefully, if I outline too tightly, I lose the voice. I completely mm. lose the voice. So a very loose outline along with pulling in the quilting squares yeah. really helps to keep the voice, but still have an idea of where the whole story is going. One of my best critiques ever at Whispering Pines, which Julie and our friend Cameron ran one year. And Jessica was there. Was, oh, was I there really that there? year? Oh. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But I would say the best critique I ever had was from Christian Trimmer, who was there that year. And he read my middle grade novel, then entitled Like a Kite. And he did say, you have great characters, you have great voice, your plot is awful. <laughs> but he said, you have a great setup for a chapter book series. So that's how the Rika Baptista chapter book oh. series came about, because Christian said, you should try this. I love and that. I did. So I think I owe him flowers or something. I'm sure he would appreciate that. <laughs> That's something that we really believe in here. We believe in real conversations that can move work forward. Mm -hmm. And it's so nice to hear examples of that. That's wonderful. Yeah, his feedback was great. And this probably would not be if not for his feedback. I did tell him when I sold the one, I sent mm -hmm. him an email to let him know. So Christian, if you're listening, thank ah. you. <laughs> Yes, Christian, if you're in your car listening to us. 
<laughs> oh, that's really lovely. I'm so happy for you. Janet, what Thank is you. such a great story. <laughs> and I love how we're all there for it. Isn't that weird? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember meeting Janet at Whispering Pines? I Jessica? don't, but I do remember... I- Julie, I believe you were the one who came up with the idea of entry music. So we were supposed yes. to dance down the aisle to our presentation in front of everybody. <laughs> no pressure, not awkward at all for us. <laughs> However, Christian did an amazing entrance with that. He did. He was a Bruno Mars. Speaking of, as a person that's been a lifelong learner of this craft, what is your best advice for new writers, Janet? To write and keep writing. I talk to a lot of people who say, oh, I'd love to write a book or I want to write a children's book. I'm like, go ahead, write it. They just talk about it. And I guess the other major piece of advice I would have is to really work on creating that sense of community. I am by nature an off the chart introvert. I don't believe you. I wouldn't have guessed that either. (laughs) If you've ever taken or heard of the Myers-Briggs personality inventory, there's introversion on one end, extroversion on the other end. Pretty much had to make a different piece of the chart because I'm off of it for introversion (laughs) by nature. But I realized over time that there's a difference between introversion and shyness. Shyness is introversion's ugly cousin, but it doesn't need to be there. Introversion is a good trait. Shyness is an obstacle to overcome. I firmly believe that. But wanting to become a writer and wanting to really become a part of the whole Kidlet community was really challenging for me in the beginning because I would go to conferences and just feel like I needed to get out of there as soon as possible because it was so draining for me to talk to everybody all day long. And finally, I found some balance there. I would go to conferences, but I would stay at a different hotel. Oh, that's brilliant. (laughs) And recharge. It made a big difference. I could breathe, relax, go back the next day, try it again. Even Whispering Pines. I never did the full weekend. I'm like, I like people, but I don't like them that much. (laughs) It would be way too much to spend that much time with people. So I had to find some balance there, but I kept making myself go to conferences and kept making myself have conversations with people because. I just knew that I had to. And then it became easier and easier. So that's what I would tell new writers. Make yourself do it, even if you don't want to. So many writers are introverts. But if you make yourself do it, it becomes easier because you meet all of these wonderful people. The Kidlet community is awesome. They're fantastic people and so supportive. There's so little that I would have accomplished without having that presence of my writing group, critique partners, they've made all the difference in the world. In my writing, being able to make my writing better, being able sometimes to get in front of other people. The critique with Christian Trimmer that really changed the trajectory of my career because it helped me to look at the chapter books, that critique came about because a friend didn't want her critique and there was an extra slot. So I ended up getting it. But that's the power of this community. You, commun- you you talk to people, they're supportive, they introduce you to other people, they let you know about opportunities. So I'm trying to do the same now to make sure that everyone really does get connected. It's a great community. I agree that community is everything. And speaking of community, online community can be great too. Janet, where can we find you online? I am on Twitter and Instagram at 
Jay Costa Bates and my fledgling website, JanetCostaBates.com. Oh, thank you so much. And congratulations on your success again. Well-deserved. It is a gorgeous book. It was great to be here. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you so much. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.